start spreading the news. This episode of Arca Speak is brought to you by Arcat. Rather than a just normal ad read, this is a big shout out to Arcat and all of the thanks and hospitality that they gave us on, as you'll hear in this episode, at the uh, AIA conference for uh, architecture. Yeah, I mean, they are doing a huge service to architects, and it was evident at their booth. And so we wanted to say thanks to the, the Janets over there at RCAT. I mean, Bill, Casey, you guys are doing an amazing job. You're always looking for great ideas from architects, and I think that's one of the things I appreciate about you most is that you're looking to solve problems to make our jobs and our lives easier. And so thanks to Bill, thanks to Casey, thanks to the whole RCAT team for doing that. So we implore all of our listeners, go to RCAT.com. You can get BIM objects, details, specs. Check out their new BIMinit plug-in for Revit so you can search the RCAT library right inside of Revit and definitely give them a try. It's completely free. You don't have to register for anything. Thanks to RCAT for supporting the show for so long. In Welcome to ArcaSpeak, the podcast that talks about what it's like to work in the profession of architecture. Welcome to episode 144 of the ArcaSpeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Corin Phelan. And hey, we have a very special kind of not quite ended AIA conference, but uh, kind of in the middle episode here. But uh, for everyone listening to this, the show will be over by then. And a couple of us are there. I wasn't able to attend this year, but Evan and Cormac, you've been there. Uh, what's New York been like? Well, before we get started with that, um, you know, one of the most asked questions of me is was, where's Neil? Where's Neil? <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, a couple of people have actually followed up with, you know, he was just here in New York. He couldn't have stayed. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, well, well, my better half is there. And so, uh, I'm here taking care of the kids and working all week. So that's how we did it. Yeah. So we, you're busy. We you're, did, we did meet the better pan. So yeah, the conference has been amazing. The weather's been great and, uh, at, the city is is amazing, right? That's why we're here. Actually, yeah. I mean, you <laughs> the know, people in the city. Yeah, we didn't go last year because it was in Orlando, and so you're saying the the setting setting is vitally important to attendance. It has to be. I mean, think about how like amazingly attended Philly was, yeah, and how how much fun we all had um, walking around Philly and you know experiencing the city and being able to like stay in this nice walkable pocket of the city and just seeing everything. And that's exactly this. I mean, yeah. you would not have had that in Orlando. I know I grew up not too far from Orlando and I know that everything that they were showing us as draws to come to the, uh, AIA conference in Orlando was oriented around things that I know for a fact from the conference center, you would have to drive there. Mm-hmm. And and that's typical Florida is, you know, you have to drive everywhere to see anything that, you know, interests you. So, no, here it was amazing. It's walkable. You know, you hop on the subway. I mean, you know, we've got city bikes. Yeah, we've got like, I don't know how many miles of, of subway travel we've got. But, yeah. you know, 
you know, almost uh, know exactly where we need to go based off of what train and all that other stuff. So it's been great. You just buy the week pass and you got unlimited rides and oh okay and then there's city bikes out there everywhere yeah. you know the city is very pedestrian friendly um you kind of learn the system really fast about yeah how how street crossing works you know yeah if there's no cars cross the street yeah and it's, <laughs> basically and, and, yeah and it's kind of interesting how you know once you get out of the subway you can quickly orient yourself on which direction you are and which direction you need to go Unless you're relying on Evan and his phone directions. You walk half a block and then it's like, oh, no, 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 we need to go back that way. Well, yeah. well, pro tip for people traveling in, in Manhattan, lower Manhattan GPS does not work very well. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Yeah. But he keeps saying that, but... It's tall it's buildings. Been, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, we were there last year and GPS it will orientate you in lots of, incorrect directions in lower Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like Cormac said, we've been walking the mileage and we've about 10 miles a day, maybe more, Yeah, but there's so many things to do and see and, and you know, you'll never do it all. So we're just kind of picking our, our stuff and hitting it up. So yesterday we were at the world trade center observation deck, went down through the Oculus up through the Oculus. Both. Yeah, actually went up through and down through and <laughs> yeah. all around through. All around. And then uh, Cormac has opinions about that. A lot of people seem to have opinions about it, and they're very similar to mine, and yeah. uh, none of them are really amazing. That good. Not that good, yeah. <laughs> At face value, it's, you know, awe-inspiring, and, and I'm sure everybody who's a non-architect will walk up to it and just jaw drop in, in how amazing, but then... The problem is, is that we walk up to it and we start to see issues and problems and just little things here and there. And, you know, I then start thinking about how the budget like increased tenfold on this thing. And it just and I I was telling someone the story that, you know, when we were here last year with my family, uh, my son was 14 at the time and we walked in and first thing he said was, oh, it's a shopping mall. You know. Nailed it. It was yep. just like, yeah. No, <laughs> like when you, you walk, you see this amazing thing you walk up to for the most, you know, to anybody, just normal storefront doors. Yeah. Oh, which yeah. is odd. So with a giant red Westfield logo, oh, yeah. just as you go through those doors. It, it's kind of depressing to see it like is. this, you know, this high architecture, you know, capital A architecture with a Westfield shopping mall sign on it. And then when you walk in, you're just like inundated with shop after shop after shop. And it's just, you're like, wow, it's a shopping mall. Well, yeah. I guess for when you go in, you don't look down, right? You look up and that's their whole goal. But it's as soon as you start to really understand the space, you start looking around and then you realize that, it is a typical indoor shopping mall with stores around the edges. And then there's just this giant space in the middle that seems like, and I, I obviously am never here, so I don't know what else they use that space for, but I'm hoping they use it for stuff, I guess. So there, there was... You could put an ice rink in there. Yeah, the, well, you know, that, that's, <laughs> that's a missed opportunity, honestly, right there to have a... But um, I, I think they should have, like forest of trees down in that thing well, like they would be amazing when we were there half of it was used as kind of some installation some local art installation stuff like that so but i mean it was so very low 
you know, low to the ground that the volume wasn't really used much. And so you need to hang stuff in there. Felt yeah. So small in comparison to this big, enormous space. So yeah. what's funny is from the outside, it, it looks big and it's skeletal. And, but when you get up on the observation deck and you look down, it's tiny Yeah, it in is. comparison to everything that is contextual to it. And so it's this odd because you go in and you go down and then the volume is bigger than it is out on the surface. Uh, so it's it's an interesting thing to kind of wrap your head around and understand it from different angles. But it's it's also kind of neat to look at it from the observation deck up on the top yeah. because it's just so different contextually to everything else. Obviously, that was the idea. So I know that you guys come here often. Did Have you ever been to the observation deck, Neil? Yeah. Well, <laughs> often. We were in New York last year, but... You were in New York last week. I was in New York last week, yes, for a very different reason, though. And, yeah, I wasn't able to stay, as, as I stated earlier. We, I have been, actually, to the observation deck at One World Trade Center, and it's pretty spectacular. So It yeah, is. Highly recommend. It, it's not necessarily cheap to go to the top, but it's definitely well worth it. I What I enjoyed most about that experience was just that. It they made it an experience. It's yeah. very different from, say, going to the top of uh, top of the rock or something like that, where you just kind of walk upstairs and you go outside and oh wow, there, you're there. Where at One World Trade Center, the entire ride up, the experience of moving from the elevators across to the observation deck is an experience. They make this big reveal. I don't know if they do that every time, but that's yeah, what they did they for did. us. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it was an entire experience. So I, it was almost felt like I was on a ride at Disneyland. Yeah. They, they use a lot of opportunities for add on sales in this whole. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. They, they queue you up and then try to get you let's several times. Let's take your picture. Yeah, yeah. Let's take your picture. So you yeah. can buy that later. Let's rent you an iPad so that you can learn about all the things you're looking at. But I have to say that it's all pretty smart ideas. Yeah. Uh, and and I think even like the iPad thing is kind of valuable because you're you're learning about what's going on around you. Yeah, the elevator is an experience, right? I mean, you're shooting up 100 floors in no time and right. they use that time to they like you're surrounded by screens and there's animations mm-hmm. and you're coming up and it's kind of explaining to you uh how the city has developed over time. So a lot of neat ideas about storytelling that they wove into this experience that help everybody understand how it got to be what it is. And I think it's just an architectural lesson here for people to, to get out of it um, as architects and here for the conference on architecture, it shows the importance of how a place gets meaning from its, its history and its context and, and what's going on around it. It's more than just the thing itself. Right. And we could all use a little bit more of that in our in our projects to help get people more interested in in architecture and why it's important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, attending the conference, guys, um, walking the show floor. What's been the experience in uh, in the Javits Center? Well, it's neat to see everything in one place at one time. Yeah. Ultimately, it, it's to me, it's way more about the people and and the place than it is about the the vendors and the the products. And so it's just great to connect with people. I think that's the most valuable part about coming to a conference like this. Um, But as far as the the booths and the expo floor go, Javits Center is not as large in one room as some of the previous ones that we've been to, right? So they broke it up and it's 
there was a couple different levels, a couple, a few different areas, which I didn't find to be I, a I bad felt, thing at all. I actually felt it was far more comfortable because it was more compact. Yeah, it wasn't like, more, like walking into a giant sea of booths. It was right. it was a little bit more like find your way and connect the dots. And I think because they planned it that way, it gave more opportunities to to meet people, to to wander through areas like the friend of the show, Laura Tea Gardens. Baby, her booth, the I commit booth, um, mm-hmm. where they had a, they had a wall where you could commit to doing something in the workplace um, that matters and pin it on the wall, and and that wasn't on the show floor, but it was in a really highly trafficked and highly visible area. Yeah. It was perfectly positioned around like the food court. Yeah, um, and right at know, the top and, of the stairs, right, the, yeah. after you register, you could go up kind of into that food court area, right. and you you see this wall immediately. And I think things like that are what give that extra layer of what the profession needs in a fairly like sales centric <laughs> thing, right? The expo floor. So, right. so I thought that that was that was a, a great location for that. And it, it kudos to the AIA and the Young Architects Forum for putting that together and really working to make that happen. Yeah, and if we're, I mean, talking about booth specific stuff. Evan can probably attest to this that the baristas at the Old Castle, Old Castle booth, <laughs> we have to give a special shout out to them because yeah, they, were awesome. they uh, you know, like all of the vendors and stuff were like hanging out at, you know, they had this, uh, it was almost like a little forum type arrangement because it was this circular booth that had kind of like um, tiered seating, it was, uh, and then some like loose seating. And it had like tons and tons of outlets, yeah. so people were coming in there. They made their booth a destination. Oh yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was like a coffee a, bar. It was totally incredible. I mean, the coffee bar. It was you know a place to you know not only recharge your body but recharge your devices and sit around and talk and you know have a chat and get you know some nice fresh water and, and it was just it was pretty cool and amazing that they they set it up like that so bill over at the rcat booth <laughs> uh, turned us on he's like i'm gonna go grab a coffee you guys want to go with us yeah <laughs> so we walked over there with him and oh man i'm glad i went that was because i thought he was going out to the food court to buy a coffee right right and yeah. and it's just funny because the rcat booth was serving coffee and we <laughs> i got a i got a coffee there the day before and that was one of the things that we had talked about with them is one of the cool things that they added was coffee service but he said i'm like you're not just getting coffee at your own booth He's like, no, they just took it down because it yeah. was later in the day. So, and the walk over there, and you know, you're walking past all the product booths and stuff like that, and you know, they've got seats, and it's everybody seemed to have. I mean, the the running theme in almost every one of the booths was, except for like the smaller vendors, was making it a little destination. There were seats and things like that. You Some know? relief, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Old Castle, I think, went knocked out. it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. that was. Awesome. Awesome. Pretty amazing. That's my sports so. reference right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've heard that one before, though. It's not original. Yeah, he, uh, he, he stepped up to the, uh, I did the go, free throw line and I was, kicked a field goal. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but net. Right there. Exactly. So I, uh, I was earlier in the week forced to go to a, a no. Yankee game by my friend Brett. And uh, kicking and screaming, I went... No, it was a, it was a really fun time. We actually went well, on a tour of the stadium. I was going to say, wasn't it under the premise that you were going to tour the stadium? Yeah, and then you got spate and switch. Stupid game with a stupid <laughs> team. Brett Brett's sitting on the couch over here, so <laughs> he's ooh he's upset right now. He, he's saluting us. 
Yeah. So that was cool to uh, to experience for sure. When you're when I was in New York ten years ago, I went to a game, a Yankee game, also at the at the old stadium, the last game at the old stadium. So it was really cool to kind of reconnect with the new stadium that had already been finished being built, but not occupied yet at that time. And now the old stadium's gone, and it's a giant park. But the game was really fun. The stadium was amazing, and the the fans around us. I mean that. And this is something I think true of all of all of New York. I mean, there were there were Mariners fans sitting right in front of us, and they were chatting it up with the Yankee fans. And it wasn't it wasn't no one was going to fight. <laughs> and I just think that the, the people in the city, from my experience thus far, this whole week have, have just been so hospitable and, yeah. and amazing, well, so you know, friendly. And it's funny is because a lot of times. New York gets this reputation of being an overly aggressive or hostile city, and that's like the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah, it's, I would agree. Everybody's amazingly friendly. I mean, sure, there may not be a lot of eye contact or things like that, but, I mean, it's just a, a friendly city. And typically it's only the rude ones that go to the games at other stadiums that are offensive. And <laughs> offensive. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's it's great. So let me ask you this. So... You went to a game at the old stadium, yeah. And the old stadium had a character to it. I mean, it was a player in its own right. Sure, and it was part know, of. It, it was it a was, cast of. In yeah, the characters. It, it was a part of the Yankee heritage and everything else, and so that had its own mystique to it. How does the new stadium compare to the old one? Well, it doesn't have that. It doesn't. It's like the place we're staying in. I mean, there, there's. Pieces of this that have been here for a very long time, and I think that's what makes cities in general so interesting, especially to somebody who's never lived in a city. It's just how it's been built on top of itself over and over and over again, and I think that's also been something that's been talked about a lot at this conference is how the city is going under some huge developments right now. It's expanding like crazy. Yankee Stadium is not an exception to that. I mean, it's that area is developing like crazy. And on top of a city that was already fully developed, right? right? This right. is something that is is in the conundrum of the boom that we're in right now. It's like, how is this even possible? Like, like going down to Hudson Yards and seeing the development that's happening. Right. It's it's insane to see what's being built in the city and to see how much money is being spent and to see what things are going for. You know, you walk by a real estate office and hmm. there's. Signs on the window for all these different places, 1.6 million, 2.3 million. Yeah. It, it's insane. We were hearing last night that these super skinny towers, they're, they're selling them on a floor-by-floor floor basis because that's all, you know, they're selling it to a single tenant on a floor, and it's going for 50 million bucks. Wow. And it's yeah. a 70-story tower, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's amazing to, to think the, the scale, because this is not the scale that I work in. This is not the scale you guys no, work in. No. This, but, but as a visitor, as an outsider coming to see and kind of comprehend all this stuff. So back to your original question about the, the Yankee Stadium and the history and the, the nostalgia of the old stadium. I, I, you can feel that it's missed. Mm. But at the same time, like this is, this is progress. Like newer teams demand more. You know, the training facilities, I'm sure, don't even compare. Anymore. Oh, I'm sure. And so it's a new era. I think that going on the tour beforehand really helps us understand why they did a lot of this stuff. And at the same time, it's still hard to let go of the past. And I think this is something that architects, we struggle with all the time. Historic preservation, 
right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Renovation or tear down and build new. I mean, these are these are the struggles of of any city where change is constant and and trying to make the best decisions on a site specific level. I could never imagine them like tearing down the Guggenheim and building a new Guggenheim. Right. So give to me a, a scenario where that would even be considered. I don't think it would be, but sports like athletics, I guess it's yeah. just different. I mean, it's, it's, it's about the revenue and <laughs> nobody shows that more than the way that they buy their world series. Oh, oh all right. Let's, so <laughs> before we alienate some uh, listeners here, what what? Now you guys attended some of the keynotes. Some of them, I saw people posting some pictures. They were in Radio City Music Hall. What was that experience like? So this was surprising to me yeah. because normally at the convention, it's just at the convention center. It's right, in a big right. ballroom or a giant hall. Maybe they've converted it into a theater. I mean, when we were in Philadelphia, right, and Rem was talking, right. It's kind of a theater in the round, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, it's it was on. You know, most of the conferences or all of the conferences that we've gone to so far, they've all been within the conference center. Yeah. So right. this one is offsite and it's way offsite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the transportation system in the city is phenomenal. And I know that there's probably been some people who have not been able to get to the keynote. I mean, there were a lot of open seats, I do have to say. Yeah. And and what was also interesting is the time that they chose to do it because they start at 530 in the evening instead of being kind of programmed into what's happening around the convention center. So oh, there's, there's plenty of time to get there, um, yeah, but it's also yeah. happening at a, at an odd time because there's <laughs> other wish. activities competing for that time slot in right. a big way. Oh, oh yeah. There's okay. Yeah. I, I mean, the first there. keynote night when David Ajay was talking, I mean, he was going on and on and, and it didn't seem really well programmed as far as timing. Right. That night it went long. Uh, and not to say that what he, he was talking about was boring or unimportant, but it was it it had it he came on after a bunch of other stuff had happened. Right. And so it went long. And now you've got to get all the way across town again to get to to get to the events. thing you want to do right. <laughs> right. after that. Right. And right. so we got to the Entree Architect meetup, I don't know. Two and a half hours late? Yeah, two exactly. hours late? Thankfully, all the events that we were trying to get to that the keynote ran over on stayed late enough where yeah. we could actually go we and enjoy. People. You know, yeah. It was funny, as I prior to the show, talking to Mark LePage, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm kind of torn you know, because I've got your event and the Auburn alumni event at the same time. And I was thinking, okay, well, thankfully, they're at least in the same spot. No, they were right next to each other. They were on the, they were within 20 feet of each other. Exactly. (laughs) Now here's the, you you attended both at the same time. Well, here was actually the funny thing is, so as we're walking in, I, I was just like, I'm I'm not going to know anybody at my alumni event. So I'll just, I'll, I'll try to like, you know, make a beeline straight in, right into a Mark's. It couldn't have been further from the truth because right when I walked in, they were like, Hey, Cormac. And, it was three guys that I graduated with. Nice. And then there was other people that I've seen from, you know, when I was there before and it was just, and then professors and all this other stuff. And, and they were like people on, you know, like Mark kept kind of like walking past me. It's just like waiting on you. And it was just like, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I literally, I was like looking over at all of the conversations, the people that I wanted to talk to at the entree architect meetup. And, I'm stuck in conversations and not bad conversations and not meaning stuck is in a bad thing, but 
I was watching his event while I'm at my alumni event. And then when I finally got over to, to that one, people were like, had already gone. I mean, you know, we saw Sharice uh, there and what was it? Uh, Jeff Eccles had come up and he was just like, Sharice uh, wants to uh, talk to you. And, and I like, look over and I'm like waving at her. Sharice's handler, Jeff. Yeah. I, 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 like, I waved over to Sharice and I was just like, you know, and I kind of like, you know, did like one second and one second turned into like, it felt like one hour. And yeah. by the time I got over to Mark's thing, she was gone. And <laughs> I was just like, dang it, I missed her. And so Sharice, I owe you a, a beer next time I see you in Long Beach in That's October. Right. Yeah. But, she will demand more than that of you, I'm yeah. sure. But <laughs> but it was just it was it was pre- it was pretty cool. And then by the time I finally got over there, you know there was it was still good casual conversations with you know a lot of good people that were there, and it was it was it was kind of cool. Yeah, that was definitely not the highlight of the day though. But we'll talk about that in a little little while. Okay. How did you like? A, actually, you got stuck. I'm not. Yeah. I keep using the word stuck. It's not Tell stuck. Tell us how you feel. But you got into a really good conversation with. Uh, was it the uh, thirty by forty? Eric, Eric, Eric Reinhold. Yeah, thirty by forty workshop. He, I don't know. For, I if, to meet just to make a recommendation <laughs> here, yeah, he he's got a YouTube channel called Thirty by Forty Workshop, and it's amazing. Yes, absolutely. He's doing some great stuff over there. So it was it was good to connect with him in person. I mean, he lives in Maine. I live in Southern California. Connect those two dots. <laughs> I was say, couldn't so, be further apart. Yeah. So, um, and we had talked on the phone previously to that because Eric is a very talented guy. He's written some books and. When I was writing mine, I had definitely hit him up for information. But uh, it was good to see him in person and talk. And yeah, it was it was really fun to just talk about gear, talk about what we're doing. Talk, you know, Eric's a total gearhead too, like me. So he he was like, "What camera is that?" And he's asking me all, but you know, what, what are you do? What are you using for this? What are you using for that? So it was fun. And the and the setting honestly couldn't have been any better. Yeah. I mean, you're you know, you're, you're on the pier. You're, you're on the Hudson. Exactly. You're sitting in the middle of the Hudson River. And the city's the backdrop. Yep. And it's, you know, as the sun's going down and the city's lighting up, you know, you've just got this, like, uh, bedazzled kind of, like, background. And it just, it was it was cool. Again, it's about the setting. The and place matters. Yeah. yeah. Totally. It's going to be interesting to see what happens next year in Vegas. Right? Yeah. Because Vegas is very different in the day from the night. Yeah. It's gonna be. It's just gonna be a really different vibe. It's gonna be a really different experience. Uh, I don't think that anybody's looking to get out of it what they got out of this place. Right. right. It's just not gonna be that. Um, but at the same time, there's again so much development happening there. Right. And you know the new stadium, your your favorite new home, Neil, shut is up. being built. Shut <laughs> up. Just shut yeah. up. You know that we're we're, we're gonna sign up for that tour. Is yeah, yeah. We we've already signed like up. Hell. We've signed all three of us up. And you're, you actually get the. I'll stay uh, home again. You get the you get the gold star uh, tour for this one. Mm-hmm. You get to walk around, and they're going to treat uh-huh. you like a VIP. Yeah. They're going. I believe they're going to give you a black and gold jersey. So moving for on. the for the new so Las Vegas Raiders. On. So moving on. <laughs> I think we should talk a little bit about the keynotes because they, they yeah. did two of them and. So, so the venue was awesome. I, yeah, I do have to yeah. reinforce it. Was it was like why do you know we got to go far? We gotta, it was it, worth it. At first, you were like, you know, why why is it so far off site? Yeah, right. But and the whole ticketing thing was weird. Um, but but once you're in, you're in, and it yeah, was you could was, you could kind of forget what it took to get there exactly because you're in Radio City Musical. It was amazing. I mean, I'm so glad that they were able to pull that together. Uh, and I I wish that they had been able to 
put together a more successful keynote? The first, so, so there was two, there was two different, um, and we may need to pause here, Neil. That's okay. Uh, Cause the doorbell just rang. The doorbell just rang. That's okay. We're live recording here. Yeah. What was interesting about the two days? And I don't know if you kind of, <laughs> there's a delivery yeah. <laughs> happening in the background. He wants to, he wants to chat. It was that's a very chatty uh, delivery guy. Like people in New York are friendly. Exactly, they and are. It, honestly, yeah. I don't disagree with that. I had the same experience. All right. There was a guy in the subway station last night who said you had nice pajamas on. Yeah, it was <laughs> totally weird. So, uh, that's yeah. another story. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll tell that story in a minute. So was, so like I was saying, I I wish that they had put as much attention. On, well, they got the venue right. Let's just say that they got so the, venue the planning right. committee. Amazing job. Yes, and the but the the keynote itself it was awkward. It was awkward, and and okay, they're trying. Yeah, I'm going to tr- start off with a positive. Yes, <laughs> the AIA is trying, but you can you know the undertone of this of of a lot of the stuff is equity and diversity, but it seems like they are trying way too hard. It's, right, it's not. You can tell it's mm-hmm. not natural that it's forced. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 That that's my take. And uh-huh. and and one of the things that I noticed and it was almost a tale of two different keynotes because the first day keynote, which you kinda hope or at least I hoped that it was something that kind of inspired you. You know, I mean it was like, you know, at MDC it's a when huge you huge opportunity, those, right? Right. Getting yeah. everybody in so that room together. You have got the largest in fact, you know, it was announced um, at yesterday's keynote, you have got the largest assemblage of architects ever. Ever yeah. in yeah. one spot. Twenty six thousand. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, here is your chance to inspire them. And the first day keynotes, the the keynotes themselves were were interesting. I won't say inspiring, but they were interesting. But what I found more awkward than the keynotes were the way that they transitioned. There was no initial introduction. There was no MC. Yeah, there was no MC. I mean, honestly, the MDC's keynotes, they had Reed there, and he was like MCing, and he was like engaging the audience and everything. It was just kind of fun. A little warm-up. Right. But there was like nothing like that. And it was like this cold like entrance. And so Carl Infante walks out, gives his opening speech, but there was no introduction of... He didn't even introduce himself. He, exactly. He didn't even introduce... <laughs> so like, unless you knew who he was, and since he's a Maryland architect, I knew who he was, but he comes out, he gives his speech, he walks off. Nothing. Darkness. Huh. Yeah. No like, you know, Wait. and the next person is, and then the next person walks on, no introduction, no nothing. And I think the only one that there was like some kind of introduction was the award winner. But other than that, there was no real, there was no transition. It felt so weird. Well, the transitions that they had were like radio bumpers to commercials. It was five times louder than it should have been compared to the speaking voice of the person doing the talking before and after it. Well, that was on the second day. That was the first day. They, I don't they would remember. boom, loud oh. music as the oh, person's yes, walking yes, on yes. and off this enormous yeah. oh, stage. Right. So, that's single right. person in the middle of Radio City Music Hall stage, which is enormous. <laughs> yeah. So, they have a long way to walk while the music blares like yes. majorly loud. And, okay, so, and what I mean by they're trying too hard, it, it even came down to the music choices. Yes. Like, it was very, 
I don't I don't know what how to describe it, but it was weird. There was rap, there was hip hop, there was and and you can tell like like they were going for something different than they have ever gone for before, and that's why I felt like it was pretty forced. Like there was no smooth transition here. No, and no. so it felt very reactionary, and and maybe that's all. That's the best they can do because they are f- being forced to react to what's going on right. because they haven't listened for so long. But it did. It just seemed like there was they had not practiced this ahead of time. No, no, not um, at all. Everybody's reading from teleprompters. Evan, would genuine be an? A description. Like, it's a, it's not authentic. It didn't feel yeah. genuine. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Abs- absolutely. Yeah, and and so I mean, getting through all that, it's probably not worth going through and, and critiquing every single thing that happened. No, I'm sure. But, um, of course, we can talk about the the major talk, which was David Ajay. His his talk was great. Uh-huh. He's yeah. a he's a great speaker. He's funny. He, yeah. you can tell why clients like to work with him. I mean, to me, oh, that, yeah. that's what I kind of took away from it. I mean, he's presenting to architects. He's presenting too many projects to us. It, yeah, it, but. it seemed weird that the keynote was a slideshow of your work. Yeah, it was not a learning experience. It was, it, it, it was, and, it was like getting a lecture at NBC. Right. And it was like yeah. so. Mm. The, the thing that I the the thing that it was, I was weirdly off putting to me, even with Ajay's talk, was. So if the theme is equity and diversity and is that a theme the theme is blueprints for oh, better or yeah, a, blueprints for better for for better cities yeah that was was I guess the theme and stuff but it was the they missed the tie in of how all of this stuff that we are doing really makes better cities I mean he drew from, you know, a couple of the projects that he, you know, was talking about and showed like the New York projects and stuff, drew inspiration from the cities and drew inspiration from the community and things like that. And so you can see how that made his projects that much better. And that part I saw clearly and appreciated all of that. But as a cohesive thematic kind of like conversation from the first presenter all the way through Sir David it didn't seem very cohesive. It didn't seem like this stream of consciousness. It just seemed like a couple of bits and pieces of here's an example of diversity or here's an example of this, or here's an example of that. And it just, there was no cohesion to it. Hmm. But in turn though, his projects are awesome and they're inspiring in their own way. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. And and what was interesting about it. and, And I, me of all people picked up on this, and I shot off a text to Evan because you know, we didn't sit together because you got assigned. You literally got assigned seats, and depending on how when you checked in, was when you got. He was like down on the floor, and I was like up in the nosebleeds. Yeah. Honestly, there's not a bad seat in the house, but he seemed very nervous. Or, and I can understand you're sitting in front of what you know, maybe ten, eight thousand, ten thousand, twelve thousand people. However many people were there. And you're staring out into the crowd and you've got to give a presentation about you. And so he was very, um, and, uh, and he had a lot of ums Hmm. and me of all people clearly, I, I, I couldn't criticize him for it. I could just associate and, you know, and sympathize sympathize with him. (laughs) I was just like, I understand you brother. Trust me. (laughs) If you've ever listened to our show, man, you would hear a lot of, you know, ands and ums, but I still enjoyed it. But day two uh, keynote 
was went off a little bit better. Yeah. Well, they. I think they learned a lot the first day. It, yeah. It kind of showed because they they did have somebody announcing who right. was who, mm. and they they still did the loud music intros yeah. Yeah. and and stuff like that. But there was a little bit better of a, a flow in between the speakers this time. Yeah. And well, I and they even had like like Ivy came out and right. He talked about who was come who was yeah. going to come out and do this and that. So it was a little better. And I'm not really sure though if there was. The speakers were any better, though. And there was as big of names. I mean, James Polshek was there. Todd Williams, Billy Chan was there. You know, I Well, mean, the first day, the most inspirational speaker was, was and I'm sorry, I don't remember the name, but the guy from the Urban League. He was yes, the president of the Urban League. He, he delivered a great speech, a great speech yeah. without teleprompter. Okay. Yeah. He was definitely without teleprompters, and he was so full of energy. And he was challenging architects. I mean, to to do better. I mean, for sure. And, and basically saying, you know, this is this is the time to do it. You guys need to step up together. Mm-hmm. It, it was a lot about unity, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 how much we can affect the the environment, right? And then the second day, Pierce was the yes. was the most I think kind of cheerleading of architects so with the the Promised Land project yes. that, that they're promoting. And he was again unscripted, and I thought a very well spoken and sincere person. I right. mean, he and again just really like making He's, this about us. We're all in this together, kind yeah. of a, a of a attitude. So yeah, it was kind of a we need better, and you guys are the ones who can do better. Yeah, it's so. like civic leaders and architects. These are the teams that are actually going to affect the future and rebuild. Um, all of the parts of America that need to be rebuilt so that we right. can build the future. I, I thought that was a, a, a great talk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked him a lot. Even jumped on and followed him on Twitter. Yeah. Cause I, I really want to learn more about the promised land project. So I think that that's something to look forward to and, and hopefully inspire the masses of architects yeah. um, to really get together and do something. So, I mean, and there real were, grassroots. Feeling. Yes. It was awesome. And there was, I, I think that there was, you know, a lot of, I think it, it felt a little bit better the second time, you know, more cohesive kind of conversation. I mean, they, they had the gold medal winner this year was uh, James Stewart Polshek. Absolutely love a lot of his work. And he was he was there and he kind of talked about, said architects need to do better. And, and you know, it was, it was good. It, it was a telling us that we've got the power to affect change but we haven't ever really shown enough leadership in affecting change we need to be that leader yeah so i liked that a little bit better i mean yeah and then and then that finished off with the the second day keynote speaker who was sheila sogard from big and she talked about the business of architecture right so there was a finally (laughs) it was a topic that doesn't seem keynote able keynotable yeah (laughs) But it, I thought it was great. Oh, it was, very it was fantastic, and she is a, a very talented speaker in person. She I, okay. So again, they're. I think why they chose her, for at least one of the reasons, is because I mean they need more female representation. They could not have picked a better person who's not even an architect, right? To talk about the business of architecture and why we need to. Number one, charge what we're worth, right? Yeah. Don't work for free. Yeah. And, and she's really been in charge over the years, over the last 10 years of getting big profitable. Yeah. 
And I, she had no problem doing that. She is she was made for for business and for contracts. And I think that to me was kind of the big thing that I took away was their partnership is structured in such a way between sixteen different individuals where Bjarka at the top said, "I'm going to freely give away all of this other stuff, this control, and we're going to mix it up with all these people who are experts in their way, so that I can do what I do best." And this is very much a strengths-based leadership, right. you know, strengths finder kind of yeah. an attitude. It's like I'm good at this, so I'm going to do this. Right. I'm really bad at that. I'm going to let somebody else who's really good at that do that stuff. And he has found some amazing partners. Yeah. And if you think about it over the course of your careers and stuff and all of the leaders that you've worked under, no one, at least in my experience, no one has ever done that. No one has freely given up control of their company to somebody, to even like an outsider like yeah, her. She who, is the she's, CEO. She's, she's, yeah. she's got an MBA. Right. She, she doesn't have an architecture degree. It Doesn't it make sense to have somebody who's good at business run the business yeah. and let the people who are good at architecture run the architecture. Yeah, and I he think recognized it. He he did and obviously they are on the same team. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's been a very successful partnership. And and what's neat about it to me is that she is 100% in on oh, yeah. on why yeah. they exist. Yes. And and I think that's probably one of the larger disconnects that actually happens in large firms is that you have people who do those supporting roles, but they're not 100% in on right, why right. you exist. They're not kind of like a cheerleader for like the success of the firm. It's just like, well, you know, I'm just going to do my job and do my job well, but, you know, I don't care about the architecture. I don't care about all of these other little things that architects care about. Those and are more so, incidental. So to have somebody who's fully vested in the firm um, in the direction of the firm and what the firm does and, and the, the success of them, and the yeah. success of it and, and how they're viewed in the world. Um, you know, you, you have 100% investment in the, in the company yeah. and it was impressive. Uh, it was which, awesome. I thought it was really inspiring because, yeah. because of to see her excitement about what could be achieved. And yes. I think that her message was clear was, was like, stop trying to control everything. Yeah. Find the right people so that enables you to do what you need to do out there, which is be creative, be an architect. Yeah, yeah. Solve the world's problems. So she ended it, or I mean, one of, actually, she didn't end it, but she said that her mantra for her business approach came from a clip from the Joker in The Dark Knight, which was? <laughs> Heath Ledger, Batman. No, no, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, what was the quote? Oh, the quote was, uh, if you're good at something... Don't, don't do it for free. Exactly. And that was in... She played the clip there. And she, <laughs> and she, paid, and she played, played the clip and everybody you know, kind of chuckled and laughed and stuff. But I mean, it was just... I she, mean, she that's, said that's always stuck with she her. She goes, this is the way an architecture should be doing business. Mm -hmm. Is if you're good at something, don't do it for free. And yet... And she gave great examples of, of architects just giving it away. Um, they're, 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 you know, our architects are the most gracious. Yes, excited. You know, there's 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 the possibility that a project might happen, and you're giving away all your best ideas because mm -hmm. <laughs> you're so excited about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that one. That was a good keynote speech. It, it was because it wasn't about it wasn't about Big's work. No, I mean it no, was sprinkled with some of it because it gives good context exactly. to show the mountain of what she was up against. Right. And right. then to also just know because there's so much 
there's kind of street cred there of right. how successful they have been right. And, and right. what's going on with their firm in the last 10 years. So I think that was, it was a, a, a nice story arc yeah. there yeah. and it made a lot of sense, but it actually had a meaningful um, message to architects, which is get paid what you're worth. Right. right. Yeah. That was inspiring. That sounds fantastic and different from Very different. what we've probably seen in the past. Right. So what do you guys taking away from this conference and how does that affect what you do day to day when you return home? I'm taking away from this conference that leadership is a choice. It's difficult. I mean, we, we talk about this a lot. I'm on some different leadership groups in the office and, and we talk about the inconvenience of leadership and that's true. I mean, it, leadership is something it's not management. It's a, it's not a lot of things. And I feel like there, there's so much talk about we don't have that person. We don't have this person. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is that anybody can choose to be that person if they need to be, if they want to do it, if they're right. up for it. You right. can lead from wherever you are. You can lead up. You can lead down. You can lead to the sides. And to me, I, I'm walking away from here much more so than I ever have from an AIA convention, which is in, in the feeling I get this more from is when I go to MDC, I get inspired at MDC, the Monterey design conference. But this is probably the first time walking away from an AIA conference. Um, and because of the setting in New York city where anybody can be anything they want, I just feel like there's so much possibility in a place like this. Um, you could take on a different persona. You can be totally authentic. Uh, you can be weird. You can be exactly who you are here. Um, and I, I think that, what I'm taking away from New York City this year is that I can be whatever I want to be and I want to be more. And so I'm going to go back and I'm going to be more. And I think that Brett's sitting over here on the couch and he's hearing this. So I have a little bit of accountability <laughs> to, to what I'm saying right now. But I think I'm, I'm tired of, of hearing us say, oh, we just don't have that person. Right. Uh, which is and, and that goes for whatever it is that we need at the time. We are those people and we just have to accept that and be willing and able to do the work to actually do that. And I keep thinking over and over again, man, my job's getting harder. I can feel it. And it's a self-imposed harder. Right. Uh, but, but it's 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 to me, it's going to be worth it um, because, you know, one of my favorite quotes is the future is left to those who are still willing to get our hands dirty. And. That, to me, has always been my attitude. I'm willing to get my hands dirty and actually do the work, not just talk about the work. And I feel reinvigorated to do that. I, I honestly don't know what much to add because... <laughs> How do you follow that, Cormac? <laughs> uh, I don't. But, you know, one of the things that we did visit uh, an architecture firm. I don't know if we're allowed to say who we visited. Or a nice architecture firm. A really, really nice architecture firm <laughs> that has a really... Oh, they that ha- was they, amazing. They have people there. One person specifically that we, you know, we had talked to, who is kind of like the 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 vision keeper, the the cheerleader the, the in chief. chief. Yes, that <laughs> kept them thinking about the clear direction of what they do, why they exist, why they exist, and and it was interesting because we were talking about our own firms and stuff and whether or not we have this 
clear vision of what we do and why we do it. And that to me was kind of like what I'm taking away from it is just like, how do I help my firm establish this? I mean, we have a good identity of, you know, where I work and, and people know of us and people respect the firm and, and that that's fine, but they don't know. I'm not sure if they know what to expect from us in the quality of work we do other than how we interact with them. I mean, they, they know they're going to get a good quality work. And that's, that's not what I mean when I say that. But do we, as the firm and the people who are the supporting um, cast in the firm and stuff like that, are we all on the same sheet when it comes to the direction, the mission, the, the quality of work, the type of work and, and everything else? I mean, and and that when when we were sitting here listening to him talk about all of this stuff, I was thinking, okay, so how do I implement that, or how do I help my firm do that? Yeah. So other than everything that Evan said about it, it's the kind of like the call, as to quote Sam Mockby, it's the call to proceed and be bold, mm-hmm. and that's what I need to do. Yeah, I think a, a constant message that maybe it's just the undertone of the message is that we need to expect more of ourselves. Yeah. And so that sounds like it's going to be harder for sure. <laughs> so are we up to the challenge? Um, right. But but I personally, I mean, this is one of the reasons why maybe the work that we're doing isn't as good as it could be. And it's it's because we we get soft over time. We go a little easier on people. And, and I guess I want to start expecting more out of people. I expect a lot out of myself. So I want to start expecting more and and setting that expectation not hiding it and then being disappointed but actually setting that expectation out loud and cheering people along i mean right you're talking right. about this guy who is the chief cheerleader of this company i mean that's not his job but that is a side right. effect of what he does and, and to me that was inspiring because right. he's so excited about what they're doing I mean, and he's not an architect right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he has this clear passion for the position but the passion for the firm that he works for and the work that they do and is he's the guy who's constantly reminding everybody in the firm don't lose track of what you're doing don't lose sight of the vision exactly yeah and it was just absolutely exceptional and and so they have this one guy and i don't know if we have that one guy and i don't know if you guys have that one guy that does that you can be that person. so that's what i'm saying is you can be that person and if we if you almost have everybody being that guy, then it's just going to make your place that much better. And it's going to make the work that you do that much more rewarding and impactful. Exactly. Because if you have a, if you have a a vision and a focus then you can actually track toward that and not try to be everything to everybody, right? Because that just waters it all down. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, it sounds like it was a great experience. Still is. And, and, and a, fantastic venue to have it. it almost um it's it sounds like what i'm hearing in this episode is that not only was the conference itself inspiring and the you're taking that away but being in such a inspiring place kind of yeah. added to that effect huge, oh absolutely huge way yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. fantastic well, we'll see what they do next year for Las Vegas. It'll definitely be a very different vibe. It's a very different city. Right. And so it'll be interesting to see how the conference sort of morphs and changes 
and what's its message next year in in a very different sort of place. Yeah, right. I'm looking forward to it. I, Vegas is, I think a lot of people, even the way that they kind of announced it, the, the incoming president of the AIA for this next year was talking about it. And the way that they, just the way that they even messaged that was, it was off the cuff and poorly done. It, uh, it was, where else can you see the the Statue of Liberty and the Eiffel Tower and, and all within, you know, a city block? And, and, it, and it was like, it's, to me, it's not about that. I mean, yeah. talk about a diverse atmosphere. Right. I right, mean, right. Vegas is invigorating on an, to an architect. I think it's, it's on an architectural level. It is an amazing place for very different reasons, though, right. like you said, right. Neil. Right. And so right. I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fantastic. And I hope people make the most out of it um, because it's one of those places where it, it, it is a destination city. It's it, well, obviously tons and tons of people in the support industry live there to do that and they're raising families there and so it's got i'm sure it's got its own set of unique problems it'll be i think really neat and and i think the city at night is amazing so it it, i think if if they program it a little bit differently so that you know the architecty stuff is happening earlier in the day and then they let people kind of run free and go see shows and and do the stuff that that vegas is all about and really take in the vegas experience it's going to be a success when you're in such an amazing place like New York or Vegas next year, maybe not programming every minute of every day and give people a chance to to see the city right. that they're going to, I think would help yeah. because I one of the constants that we've experienced in every one we've been to together is that you can't do everything yeah. and you do want to see some of the city that you're experiencing as well. Yeah. So I think there needs to be a balance and it would be nice to see that happened, say, in Vegas, which is a city definitely to be experienced at night, more so than maybe the day. And I think it would be interesting if they programmed it a little differently as well. Well, I would encourage people to do kind of like what we've done every single time, which is find somebody who knows the place. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ditch out on your sessions. You can right. get those units anywhere. Exactly. And, and experience the place. Use it as an excuse to go experience this, the place, and and p- go to the the key things, right? But then, other than that, be with people, be with your community of yeah. architects, and get inspired to get some fuel for that next year of of doing your daily work. And one of the things that you know Evan was talking about was kind of the the camaraderie, the kinsmanship that you know we feel with all of our fellow architects, designers, and everyone else who are attending these conferences and being able to kind of like feed off of them. I mean, I get more invigorated in an architectural conversation when I'm listening to the perspectives of other people doing other things and what they're up to and how they see what I'm seeing. I know what I think when I see something, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, I say it and but I mean, I want to hear what other people have to say about it and, and their thoughts and, and to be able to have that converse, that engaging conversation about it, which, you know, Neil, I mean, if you think about it back to when we first met and we're sitting at that table in D.C. when you we were starting to talk about the seeds of ArcaSpeak, I mean, to do that with other people who either know the city or are experiencing the city for the first time or whatever place we're at is kind of the whole point of all of this is to 
feed off of and get reinvigorated by your fellow people. I mean, I mean that that's one of the things that I'm definitely taking away from this is, you know, being able to walk the city and kind of just see it in a different perspective from other people's perspective. Right. I think that's a good place to wrap up. And we want to hear what everybody else's stories are, have been from New York and from this conference on architecture in the Big Apple. Yeah. Tweet us the best of the best. Yeah, absolutely. Engage with us. Talk to us on Twitter, via Facebook, wherever you want to do that. And let us know what your experience has been from this conference. We missed you, Neil. We did. I appreciate that, guys. <laughs> uh, next year, maybe Vegas. We'll try and do it then. Go Raiders. And... <laughs> <laughs> really oh, all right hey it's gonna so be perfect this, yeah absolutely <laughs> so hey this episode's brought to you by our friends rcat thank you bill for all of your support and your entire team we really appreciate everything you do to help us make this show happen and the music for this episode is by system kid Subscribe to Arcuspeak on Apple Podcasts or listen directly from our site at arcuspeakpodcast.com where you can stream or download every episode and find links to the articles referenced. And follow the show on social media via Twitter and Facebook. Links to all of these can be found at arcuspeakpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and stay subscribed. See ya. See you guys and hope your uh, feet recover from all the walking. <laughs> yeah, get your bunions taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> Lance those blisters. Oh
tell 